Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and I'm going to kind of leave the episode today because the MLB (laughs) decided to be super boring, so boring is not always a bad thing. I'll take it for now. (laughs) Because that means nothing bad happened, (laughs) but hopefully soon we'll have some games and stuff to talk about. Um, But before we do our weekly climbing the corporate ladder, I wanted to talk about a more serious situation that kind of happened in my orbit. So I mentioned it on the show, I know at least a a few times that I am an alum of Creighton University. Um, In the sports world, if you know Creighton for anything, you know them for their men's basketball team. Uh, They've had a few NBA players play at Creighton. Haven't had a ton of tournament success, but they do kind of, our fairly national program. I think they spent most of the year in the top 25, including a few weeks in the top 10. So definitely pretty good team and stuff like that. So they were in the national headlines and it's not for the greatest of reasons. So to set the stage, um, they were in a battle for the conference regular season championship with Villanova. They had a game against Georgetown Creighton did that they lost and then the next game after that was going to be Villanova and it was kind of like if they lost to Villanova then they had no chance the regular season and if they won then they were kind of in the driver's seat but they weren't looking great after their loss at Georgetown and all of that so of course that all is plays into the context of the coach addressing the team after the game now we have no video of this but after the fact there is a statement that gets released from the head coach, Coach McDermott, on his Twitter page, and I'm just going to read it verbatim. Um, keep in mind, there's a part, and that is me reading a quote. It is not anything that I endorse. I just have to put that out there. So here is a direct quote from his statement. On February 27th, after an emotionally tough loss on the road, I addressed our student athletes and staff in the post-game locker room and used a terribly inappropriate analogy in making a point about staying together as a team despite the loss. Specifically, I said, quote, guys, we need to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everyone to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. I immediately recognized my egregious mistake and quickly addressed my use of such insensitive words with the team. I've never used that analogy and it is not indicative of who I am as a person or as a coach. I'm deeply sorry. I have apologized to our student athletes and to our staff, as well as to President Hendrickson and Director of Athletics, Bruce Rasmussen. Over the last 72 hours, I have engaged in multiple difficult conversations with student athletes, staffs, parents, and university administrators, and I realize the pain that my words have caused. For that, I sincerely apologize. I'm committed to ensure that this will never happen again, and I'm using this as a learning experience. While there remains work to be done in trust turn back, I appreciate our student athletes' honesty and will maintain an open dialogue as we grow and learn together. So, first of all, the like number one reaction that I saw from most Omaha writers, most people who are kind of in this Creighton sphere, mm-hmm. we have no idea where he got that from. None of us have ever heard it. It's not something like it would still be racist, but it's not something I've ever heard around here. So right. I don't know. Like it's not a thing. Like 
how do you pull that out of your head? I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are racist sayings I've heard before, obviously never used, but that's not even something I've ever even heard something similar to it. Like, aside from it being racist, it's also just bizarre. The one thing that I've heard people say that used to be like a saying back in the day was stay on the reservation, which is still incredibly racist yeah. Americans. It does have the mild improvement of actually being a saying someone said it sometime, not like that excuses it or anything. Right. But I don't know where this came from. Like, I don't get it at all. And most of our basketball team is black. It's just very tough. And yeah. one of our coaching staff, so his direct employee, is black too. And actually, I wanted to bring that up because um, his coach and uh, his assistant coach, uh, Terrence Wrencher, I, he's new to this year, so apologize if I get the name wrong and stuff, but he is. Uh, member of coaches for action which is like a coach-led group of mostly black coaches to try to get change and address racism Mm -hmm. and um here's his quote because I think it's an important reaction I'm an assistant coach at Creighton my job is to help our players maximize their abilities as players students and ultimately help them become productive members of society part of that growth is dealing with the horrible and uncomfortable truths about racism in our world and in basketball let me address what coach McDermott said I'm deeply hurt by his words while my relationship with coach has been positive and I've never witnessed any racist energy from him what he said was wrong and insensitive plantation had a dark and hurtful history in my community and cannot be overlooked right now my focus is on the players and supporting them in any way that they need my support as we have been reminded it's more than a game this is real life and real issues the players have decided that they want to continue to chase their goals on the court this season with coach McDermott and I support their wishes and will continue to pour my heart into coaching and help them deal with larger issues I'd like to thank each and every CFA member for their support at this time this is why we created this special group so I think it is important that a coach called it out. Um, so kind of summarizing what happened after the fact. So the next game was at Villanova. Coach McDermott coached that game. Creighton lost. So then at that point, Creighton is like guaranteed second place. There's no chance they can get first place. At that point, the university announces that he is suspended indefinitely. And I will say, on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, after now, it doesn't matter. And then you see, and that's really frustrating. There was a very real punishment to this, though. And I definitely think they made the right choice as far as suspending him for the next game. I think that there probably could have been a suspension for the Villanova game. Mm -hmm. People would have understood it. But I think the next game was super important to keep that suspension because it was senior night. And two of our four seniors are black. And I don't think it's fair to them because the coach is a part of the senior night observance and everything. I don't think it's fair to them to have that be like right in front of them. I think it's appropriate that he wasn't there and that Mm -hmm. the focus could be on them. And of course, (laughs) you get some people who are like, cancel culture blah 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 and I'm like puke cry me a river 
And then my personal favorite. So they had the players, they all did these videos for the senior video of like what being at credit meant to them and all that. And clearly it was kind of to be like, if you don't want to give a speech, here's a sub, like a pre-recorded video thing. Mm-hmm. But then one of the players, two of the players wanted to give speeches and it ended up that they all kind of gave speeches. I think there was a little bit of peer pressure on that, but they all gave really nice speeches and they all, um, so, um, Denzel Mahoney, who is one of the black players, um, he was a transfer from New Mexico. He played for the guy who was actually the acting head coach while Coach McDermott was on suspension. And the guy recruited him to Creighton when he transferred from New Mexico because that guy had previously coached in New Mexico. And so he was, that was the only time a coach specifically got called out. One or two of the players might have said the coaches in general, but mm-hmm. there is no specific besides that one instance of a, uh, of a coach being mentioned. And some people were complaining about them not thanking Coach Mack. Um, coach Mack is like a 50-something-year-old man. He does not need his yeah. players to thank him in a senior day speech. Yeah. Regardless of what happened, he doesn't need that. Like, if, even if they, it just, like, nothing had happened and they'd forgotten, it would be okay. Like, right chill out but then also they have a like I don't even think that was their choice I think the university said this is your day like just don't go there because it's it's not gonna nothing good is gonna come of it and what they did do which I think is really interesting and I have some insight because I was at the game um so Creighton does their warm-up before the game and then they and their opponent Butler leave the court and then pretty soon after, within a few minutes of them leaving the court, we do the national anthem, which is very unique because the players weren't on the court, which pretty much I don't can't remember a time that's ever happened before. And so I'm like, this is weird. But then mm-hmm. I was like, OK, like I get it. But part of me is like, are they trying to prevent like Black Lives Matter statements? Because yeah. that's pretty pansy. Like, really? Yeah. Like, that, especially with after that statement. It's kind of chicken shit stuff. Yeah. But then they kind of redeemed themselves and it made more sense because they played this video. Like they had all the players come like they would for the national anthem and they play this video and it's about a minute and a half of the black, some of the black players on the team sharing their opinions. They shared the history behind the word plantation and what being on a plantation meant for black slaves. And um, after they shared that history, one of the players said that's by what coach Max said hurt me so much which I thought was a very important statement mm-hmm. and then the video ended with Denzel Mahoney who you heard about previously saying uh if I was your son would it matter then which I think is a very important point of like you like me when I play basketball but do you care about me as like a wife like do you care about me as a person that gave and me I- chills when you said it it's not great it was, yeah. it was wonderful well then as soon as that is done it zooms out and it's a line of all of the team black, white, whatever, LinkedIn arms, and then they ask us all to stand up. And instead of the national anthem, they played Lift Every Voice, which is a kind of historical anthem of like a religious kind of song mm-hmm. for black people. And it has symbolized a lot of the fight for racial equality. And so I, I kind of got the whole message then. Because yeah. I, I, I mean, it wasn't like by playing the, the national anthem before the game, it wasn't like they were trying to escape anything per se, because it's not like they didn't address it. And I thought they really addressed it in a really 
powerful way. And so I, I really liked that. Now, after the fact, um, just today, it was announced that McDermott, Coach McDermott has been reinstated, which is a little convenient because the game was on Saturday and he got reinstated on Monday just in time for the Big East tournament. And the Butler game, the senior day game, I mean, while it was senior day, and like I said, there was a real punishment to missing the senior day, it changed nothing about their tournament seating. I guess it could have a little bit of impact on like the NCAA tournament, maybe, but it's like a really kind of about as nothing of a game suspension. It's like yeah. when, you know, when colleges suspend basketball coaches and they always conveniently suspend them, like Duke, if they suspended their coach, it would be against like nobody's state and not against North Carolina. Yeah. Like it always conveniently works out and it definitely conveniently works out that way this time. Which like is when like MLB big... suspended What's-His-Face the next Oh yeah, Yuli Gurriel. Yeah. Our bestie, yeah. That was great for his racism against Asians. So that was, that was swell. Um, but then so they reinstated him for the tournament and just an hour ago before we're recording this obviously we're recording this on monday coach mac issued another statement interesting i i kind of think at least one of them might be written by a pr or like different because they're both on the notes app but one of the notes apps is the white background with the gray font and this one is the black background with the white font so either he changed his background on his notes app or it's screenshots from two different apps. That's some good investigation right there. I just noticed that. That is off-the-cuff <laughs> investigation right there. But I'm looking at it, and he cropped it and everything, so you can't quite huh. tell. It's not like like you can give the carrier or anything like that. Right. The colors are a little, hmm. Yeah. Um, so here's the, the statement. I'm grateful for the opportunity to return to all team activities and rejoin our incredible student athletes, coaches, and staff. I fully understand and recognize that this does not mark the end, but rather the beginning of my work in learning, growing, and earning back the trust of those that I have hurt. I am committed to doing better. I do have to point out this has nothing to do with it. There are two like lists of things, and in one he doesn't use the Oxford comma, and on the other he does. <laughs> And it's just it's two different people then for sure. It's really bothering me. Like, pick one and pick the Oxford comma, but pick one. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, uh, it is interesting. One thing I did want to mention that happened earlier that I didn't say as part of the story is it's been confirmed that he offered the players that he would resign like right when it happened. But I don't really think that that is fair to do because here's the thing. For one, the, like, he is in a position of power over them. And it's not just him. If the players say, okay, we're done, we don't want you, and they leave, and then Creighton tanks, you know how society works. They're going to blame those yeah. players. Yeah. And so I think... Creighton has a real blessing in that uh, being a Jesuit school and lucky enough to have found, because there aren't many left, it's kind of going away. Not every Jesuit college is like this anymore. We actually have a Jesuit priest 
as our president, um, who really doesn't make that much money at all because he makes money through being a priest, not necessarily through being a university president. And so obviously his look is way outside of the realm of typical university presidents. He doesn't have like a board of regents or anything. It's him and it's just a different power structure. And so I think a lot of that should have gone through him. And it did eventually after the fact, he was the one who was really involved in a lot of the stuff. And he personally talked to a lot of the players. And I think that is definitely the way it should go. I think that's probably the only way it's hard because I think even if it's the athletic director, well, are they really gonna say anything to the athletic director or even the compliance office? I mean, you have to, I would assume they have to put some kind of employee involved in this and any kind of employee, it's gonna be a little hard to, I mean, they, they, and I know that they, the journalists in our area, involved black leaders in our community who all said basically like we haven't seen anything racist from him before and it didn't seem like it was super malicious but it was still really racist there should be consequences and all of that and I think that's an important thing that some of the old white men who are Creighton basketball fans don't understand a lack of intent does not mean something isn't racist yeah it was more passively racist but still racist yeah because by nature a lot of what's racist obviously there are your out and out racists but a lot of what is racist in society right now are these like unconscious bias Mm -hmm. stuff like that and by the fact of being unconscious bias it by itself it like can't be intentional So like it's racism, but it's not intentional. That doesn't mean it isn't racist and there isn't responsibility for that. And so I think that's really important to acknowledge and to discuss. Um, There were a lot of different opinions from players, former players. It's hard. um, I think in some ways Creighton really got it right. Like I think the video and stuff like that. But then in a lot of ways, it's a little convenient yeah the the decisions that were made and the punishments that were made um I don't know it's 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 a tough one because I and and I guess this is how a lot of things are I don't think it's purely right or purely wrong obviously what he said is purely wrong but I don't think how it all transpired is purely right or purely wrong I think it's somewhere in the middle um I have a few like thoughts and questions about the whole thing. So when he made his first statement, was it like already known that he had said something? No, it hadn't really come out yet, but I think it was probably going to if I guess gotcha. it was agreed upon. Otherwise, I'm guessing someone would have been an anonymous source to the media. Gotcha. I just like going back to the comment like like we said it's not a saying we've ever heard but also like there are so many other cliches he could have used after a loss that coaches use like I don't know why we needed to make up a new one yeah there's there's so many different things that say basically we got to stick together yeah and we already um, got to be pointing towards the same goal 
Like that's all he really was trying to say. And yeah, like 80 million ways to say that. Right. And I, his second statement kind of, I mean, I get why it was made. I just feel like it's not necessary because he only missed one game. Like if he was suspended for a week, then I get that second statement. But to me, I'm like, you missed one game. I don't know why this statement is necessary because it's pretty much repetitive from his first statement. And it, it to me, it just doesn't have like any weight to it because he missed one game. Yeah. Maybe if this was like the beginning of next season and he said it, it would have been more like, okay, I think you really understand the mistake you made and you're working to not do that again. But it, I don't know. It just. It, and this is the thing in college basketball. This isn't a Creighton thing. This is a thing. And I think it's probably a thing in other sports too. When there's like this internal discipline, instead of just saying like, this is what we decided and we own it. It's like, mm-hmm. he is suspended indefinitely. And then after one yeah. game, he is no longer suspended. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so he was suspended for one game. And given <laughs> that it was only one game and like, this was announced on March 4th and it is now March 8th. I'm guessing they knew on March 4th, it was going to be one game. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's a little shady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm so conflicted about this. And the, not conflicted yeah. in the sense of it's my alma mater. Conflicted in, like, I thought that video super powerful. I'm going to send it to you because it's now on YouTube. And and we'll link it on our Twitter. Yeah, and it was really good. And it was the players speaking. And some of it was, like, you could see somebody reading. And it was, like, him right. reading the history of Plantation. But then some of them did seem a little more like their own thoughts maybe Mm -hmm. not right off the cuff but also like they had a part in what was said and so I think that there's a really powerful yeah and the kind of statement it was even if it was a little written for them it wasn't like they were being forced out there by the administration yeah and saying like it it was a, a a real like powerful strong statement against what he said and it didn't seem like statements made to just make the university look good right so which I think is also important especially because like they're still kids like this is a college team not an NBA team (laughs) that they got together and decided to make those statements yeah and I think they have the Creighton earlier this year before the anthem has played videos from like and this is before McDermott had done any of this stuff from their black players discussing uh the fight for racial justice and just different things and so I think it it does kind of coincide with their overall yeah ethos this season so I think there's some good there but then I think it got a little marred in the this is Creighton basketball. It literally funds our entire athletic department. Coach Mack has been here for like, yeah, he's been there since 2011, blah, 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 blah. I, th- I think they let a lot of factors that shouldn't in an ideal yeah. world have a factor, have a factor. And so kind of is, that's all I have right now. I, it's 
really sad to me as an alum. I can't say it that strong enough. It's disappointing. Um, I did feel a little conflicted about going to the game, but I have to say after the fact, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Because of seeing the, not only seeing the video, but then seeing the senior day ceremonies and the bonding as a team. And then the fact that he wasn't there, but then it was, it was really interesting watching the coaching dynamic because obviously they didn't have a ton of time to prepare for that. And with your assistant coaches, like they all have their different responsibilities, right? like any coaching staff of any sport. And so it was very clear, like there was the one guy who was the interim coach and he there's in basketball and college basketball, like when coach is technically allowed to stand and all the other ones are supposed to sit, but they all like hop up and down at different times. And it was a lot more of that. It was a lot of the assistants like being involved and working together. And you could just kind of feel that they were all really putting their all into making this as normal and good of an experience for the players as possible. And I really respected that. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, like I said, it was conflicting before, but I think after when it's like this wasn't about coach, it was about the players and players I've watched for a very long time. I had a lot more. I was I was a lot more at peace with it. Even like outside of the racial stuff, one of the guys who they normally don't like you normally have to be a senior in eligibility to get senior day. This guy is technically a junior in eligibility, but he's graduating as a senior and he's not coming back for his fourth year. He's Australian. And every single year he's played, he's had some kind of injury, including two years ago, he had like the kind of leg fracture where like the bone comes out. Oh, no, I hate. And so he still has this gigantic thing he wears around his leg. You can just tell it's tough for him. And just hearing him talk about like all his dreams and how like he just basically could never not be injured and stuff. And like... I'm glad I got to see that. And I'm glad he got the opportunity to thank the people who worked so hard to give him some moments. And he did. He had some moments. Like, he, I think he, he had a slam dunk in the game. They put him in at the end. And then it, it was it, – it, so that was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, so with that, go on to uh, – our normal sort of coverage, climbing the corporate ladder. Um, we'll start with the Honda West division. I wanted to start out with this thing that Morgan had sent me, but then was a little all over hockey Twitter. Vegas had probably the, one of the most unique things I've seen in hockey in a while. So Why they, sports? Because <laughs> I feel like, has this ever happened? I <laughs> this hockey joke because... Um, in Vegas' first season, literally everything was like, it's so historic. It's the first this in team history. Oh, it's yeah. the first that in team history. So we start, like, you people just started adding historic to everything. And people kind of unironically, ironically said historic this time. Because I'm pretty sure this hasn't <laughs> happened to any other team. But it also is the first time it's happened to Vegas, so it is actually historic. <laughs> <laughs> but they were in San Jose playing San Jose. And as I understand it, they had just got done with their team breakfast and they came out and basically were like, yeah, so you're all going to have to pack up and leave because the hotel declared bankruptcy. And that's that. And 
like we're done <laughs> and so it's pretty crazy and they talked to the players afterwards I read an article about it and it ended up like it wasn't like their mid-meal and they had to abandon their meals or anything like that they said for the most part it was about as normal as you can expect but and and you could tell the coach was trying to make his point clear because he knew this was going to be co- quoted but he kind of made the point of like after everything with COVID, right. this is like, this is the next thing of like, what world are we even living in? And he had to be like, and I don't mean to blah, 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 because obviously this isn't as bad, which I think goes without saying. I, yeah. I think people got what he was trying, he was saying that basically everything has felt surreal. And this was just another thing that felt uber surreal. So pretty crazy. Because it just, like, that's the last thing you expect to happen. Like, I'm trying to put myself, because I've stayed at a few hotels in my day. Yeah. That would really weird me out. Right? Like, I I mean, I've been in a hotel where, like, the fire alarm went off, and that was, like, the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me at a hotel. And I can't imagine someone being like, well, you know, got to pack up because we just declared bankruptcy. Like, what? And good luck. (laughs) Yeah. You're homeless for the night. Have fun. (laughs) Because I did see it was, like... uh, it was like Ryan Reese and someone else, like they were like, they had the toughest time packing up because he, they brought like a whole game system. Yeah. They were like comparing and contrasting because one guy (laughs) apparently brings pretty much nothing. And then the (laughs) other people I've actually heard. So they bring the game console. I've heard of some players who in each city, they buy a new game console, but then think about it. so they buy the game console in the city but they're millionaires so this is right like nothing money to them and then they leave it with a note for the housekeeper of like hey like keep it or sell it but it's yours which is like I mean, probably the best tip that housekeeper ever got yeah part of me wants to be like that's kind of do way but i mean i guess if like ideally like maybe the housekeeper has young kids who would really enjoy that game yeah, I mean, if, if nothing else put it on craigslist you probably yeah. to, uh, and when it's i mean considering most people which by the way tip your housekeepers yeah like that should everyone should do that and i don't think it's as a commonplace as like restaurants but tip your yeah. housekeepers and uh, but considering the tips most people leave even if they get like 50 bucks for it it's just that's such like a like it's such a very like 20 something guy thing to do (laughs) yeah a 20 something guy who has millions to his name is like i'll just buy one in every city even beyond like the leaving it for the housekeeper because i think that's the redeeming part of it (laughs) i think the part that's weird is just like hey i'll just buy it use it a few times and then be like yeah whatever right that's a little like that's very like college age brain isn't fully developed type thinking yeah it's like not (laughs) cognizant of the world that you live in yeah it's definitely a thing it's 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 a conflicting thing like I said because I think there's it makes a little bit of sense because I can also see asking these same 20 year old boys to pack up (laughs) their xbox or whatever 
put it under the plane to fly because it is different when like you fly private yeah. and pack it up all perfectly have it under the plane take it out do all of this like I think one I, I, I heard one on a podcast talk about it one time and I think he said he started doing it after like the third one that he left behind on accident <laughs> like that he packed and brought and left behind uh-huh. on accident he's like well why am I packing them <laughs> I, I do remember like it made sense when I saw like when everyone started going to the bubble last year there mm-hmm. were a couple players I saw walking on the plane with like literal computer monitors and part mm-hmm. of their game system I'm like that's kind of crazy but you're gonna be living there for a couple months so I guess I'll sure yeah, why not the, the bubble was different because yes. the bubble, like in the like definitely want to like paint the right picture I'm pretty sure in normal hotels they just get the console hook it up to the tv and play right. in the hotel I think a lot of them wanted to stream when they weren't yeah like do twitch and stuff like that because they, they did need- that during lockdown yeah so they needed the like whole setup Right, which, which I get. If you bought the whole setup every time, <laughs> oh my god, that would be even more extreme. But also, my other thought is like, so normally with hockey, you're only playing in the city for like one night and then you move on. So like, are, is this person buying the game console just to play it that one night? Or I think two it nights? depends. I think it depends because there's a different schedule if you have like the every other night thing versus if you're right. playing back to backs. I'm nearly positive if you're, if you're playing back to backs in different cities, they aren't buying it. But I'm li- thinking like not not this season, like a like a normal regular mm. season because like this year a lot of teams have like. You played the same team. Yeah, for like three, like that I could see because then you're spending what, maybe four nights in one city. So why not buy a console? I'm like, wait, like, is this person buying like a console just to spend one night there? In the like non back to back world, where, like I said, because there are some times where in previous seasons where it's back to back, different people, different cities, different nights. Uh And there is no chance that they do that because the travel schedule is just basically yeah. let you get there, sleep it, and go to the game. Right. But even when there, I think when there's days in between, the travel schedule is a little different because mm-hmm. they try to work it so that there's enough time to get like practices in if they're possible or like morning skates and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think they work around it. And I definitely think like the whole morning skate evening de- game thing, I think there are your nappers and I think there are your gamers. <laughs> your gamers. <laughs> and then I think there are some gamers in there. So now I'm like just way more fascinated than I thought I was going to be with this because now I'm also thinking so let's say you're the person that's buying the game console in every city. Wouldn't you buy it like on a normal season? Let's say let's say it's a Colorado Avalanche player. Let's say they come to Dallas and they buy it there. Wouldn't you just be like, okay, I'll be back playing here in like two months. Can you like hold this behind the desk hold for it me so it's there? But see, that's the thing is to us, I would definitely, well, I wouldn't but then to them this money is so like this is what money because these are the people who put like five thousand dollars on like if we win I just donate it to the team fund. 
like okay. m- the concept of money is very <laughs> different and it is it's true like, the one thing I will say is interesting so Fortnite Fortnite is an internet game and all <laughs> the statistics are available online and um when they were doing like this wasn't even during but this is pre-covid um Patrick Lane, who was a well-known gamer, he mm-hmm. was basically saying he loved Winnipeg when he was in Winnipeg because they have good internet, and that's all. Like that's all he needs for a good city is good internet so he can play games. And someone went because he streamed and they saw his um, like handle, which his handle is like Nally Poo something, which <laughs> is Finnish for Winnie the Pooh, and then like random numbers after the fact. <laughs> that's your fun fact but then they went and they looked at his time and they said like how on average how many hours a day he was spending on the gaming console and I don't think he's played under that username in a long time I think word got back that people knew exactly how long he's no I said great player so I think people overblew that (laughs) a little bit but with all of that being said, tangents. <laughs> um, let's get back to the Honda West division. Um, Zach Parise, who is one half of these ridiculously expensive and re- ridiculously long contracts Minnesota signed right before the last blackout, uh, was healthy scratched for Minnesota. Um, I put his point total down there because I think it was more of like a statement healthy scratch than anything. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really think it made a whole lot of sense. Kind of reminds me of the Jeff Skinner healthy scratch where it's like, I guess going to say that I get he's not the money that you're paying him, but he is significantly better than the 13th worst player. Like, and you're paying him already. Yeah. And he's your top half for sure. Yeah, because he has. He said he had nine points in nineteen games. That's better than Jeff Skinner. That is not healthy scratch level. So that was really weird. And they promptly, yeah, because that's almost a point every other game. It's, yeah, half a point a game. That's not like amazing. It's definitely not like what he's paid at level, but right. it's not healthy scratch level. Not even close. There are plenty of other players you can help you scratch besides him. So I just, that was puzzling, but you know, coaches sometimes in their like idiotic statement, like someone was talking about this, the, oh, Jeff Skinner, because they were asked about it. He's the stupid quote after every time they help you scratch someone is just really wanting to go up in the press box and watch the game and learn about our system and learn about blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I've been playing hockey for blah, but like, I can't remember the last time I watched a hockey game and besides scouting purposes, really learned anything about how to play hockey. And I mean, I guess I could kind of see it for like your rookies or something or like new yeah. to North America people, but your NHL veterans, you're not scratching them so they can learn about the game. Right. Like, come on. I'm not that big of an idiot. And neither are they. Um, <laughs> I did just want to point this out. I was looking for West is one of the ones I'm like always like, what what story should I do? I don't watch the West as much as the other yeah. divisions. But 
I just kind of checked in on the San Jose Sharks because they're right there competing for last place in the NHL. <laughs> and you look at their talent and you're like, eh, I don't think that's a competing for last place team. And then you look at their goaltending and I did the math. So this isn't just like a average of the two. It's like actually goals allowed and shots faced and all of that. Their goaltending tandem is rocking an 884 save percentage which is actually horrendous, like yeah. legitimately terrible. Yikes. And like the Leafs rolled out Michael Hutchinson and I'm pretty sure he's, he's doing better. So. And he's definitely not their first, second or really third choice, but you know, the Sharks, the decline has been fast and it's been fast on the back of Martin Jones specifically because I don't think they got Devin Dubnik and they got him to try to be a better backup but they did not think they were getting a starter caliber they signed Martin Jones after he had some really good years thinking and he had a really good uh, Stanley Cup the year that they went to the Stanley Cup final he had a good playoffs and stuff and then just fell off a cliff so it's been and the last year or so they made the playoff, it was almost like they're making, making it in spite of him. Like the team was just that good around him. Like yeah. enough of Joe Pavelski on the power play, which they don't have anymore. So that is your Honda West division. Next is the Scotia North division. And I felt it was only fitting to start with, but I feel like is the biggest news about hockey in Canada. And that is that Wayne Gretzky's dad, Walter, passed away. And you don't have to look very far to find pretty amazing stories about Walter. He still lived until he had Parkinson's and he passed away from Parkinson's, I believe, in some kind of assisted living or nursing home facility. Mm -hmm. But until he had Parkinson's and was no longer able to live on his home, he lived in the home that Wayne grew up in. So even after all that years and all that money, lived in the same place. And um, Steve Dangle had a lot of like reminiscing because apparently like it was a thing in Canada they're from Brantford Ontario suburb of Toronto and everyone knew where the Gretzky's lived because they lived there the whole time and people would like come and like get pieces of Wayne Gretzky's grass and stuff because there's that <laughs> and and he would like come out and talk and they said uh Steve quoted someone is saying Walter Gretzky has the like most worthless autograph ever because he gave it to everyone and like he he talked to everyone and always just so happy and like people knew Walter even outside of Wayne at a certain point just because of what a personality is that's why they call him Canada's hockey dad not just because he's Wayne Gretzky's dad because I think there are plenty of hockey parents who could have been a hockey parent of a major star and they wouldn't have been called Canada's hockey dad I think it's because of his personality and just everything you hear about him it's kind of the Canada nice stereotype yeah sonified so just really sad and all that and Wayne Gretzky gave a really great tribute um of course all of the teams that Wayne Gretzky played for most notably the Edmonton Oilers the Kings the Rangers um all had nice statements the league and everyone because he was such a notable figure so that is really something um and going from that like sweet sentimental thing to the flames fired jeff ward um 
And they hired Daryl Sutter, who has a reputation, one definition of like old hockey man. So not exactly going like super innovative, but I think the thought is the flames were very sputtering and they wanted to like knock some sense into them or something because he's kind of known as like the hard ass kind of coach. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting. I'm pretty sure at this point, the only coach firings have occurred in Canada. So we have Montreal and and Calgary. And I couldn't think of another one. Which is pretty pretty amazing at this point. Also, at this point in the season last year, like it was like the whole profession of coaching had crumpled because of all of the revelations and everything. So, God, that was actually last season. That was pre-COVID. Yeah. Good lord. The world fell apart in hockey pre-COVID. That Um, that season was like legit three different seasons. Everything happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we had a a Zamboni driver win a game. Like, that was two weeks before the season got canceled. Which is wild. (laughs) It's insane. Um, uh, So, the one thing I wanted to mention about the new coach situation is Daryl Sutter was in the U.S. So, because of the rules, he has to quarantine. So, the Flames have actually played two games since Jeff Ward got fired, um, but they've had an interim coach while he quarantines. Did want to also point out, kind of connecting what we just talked about, Jeff Ward was named the interim coach after Bill Peters was fired for being a racist asshole and abusive. Um, so he was, and then the interim, that was puzzling to me because, and I think I talked about this, Rick Bonus having the interim title taken off and been permanent makes sense considering the team made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. Like you can have your, your thoughts about Rick Bonus as a coach, but when your team makes the Stanley Cup final, what right. are you going to do? The Flames didn't do anything. They did nothing. And I'm like, why did we just be like, okay, he's our coach. Like, I that seemed weird to me. Yeah. I think someone hinted at, like, maybe the fact that he kind of brought everything together and it didn't completely collapse. So the fact that it wasn't, like, <laughs> utter calamity apparently gets you a head coaching job. <laughs> but it'll so be interesting. I'm basically, curious. I could be a head coach for Calgary. Like, as long as you were nice. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but we'll see what... Daryl Sutter is like he's like a very different kind of person um I'm also just curious at one point like if in, if in the off season or something if things continue the way they are for Calgary if there aren't some major trades and who would possibly be involved in that yeah um I also wanted to end with this because oh my god I couldn't even handle this when I heard about it so the Edmonton media they're like your when you follow hockey, you learn about the different media types. Yeah. So Toronto is like, everything is all about the Leafs, except when they then try to cover national stories, because then they try to shit on the Leafs as much so they don't appear biased. Vancouver is just like, their fans kind of dominate everything, and they just kind of freak out all the time. Montreal, they're the ones who have the French TMZ, and they won't accept any coach that doesn't speak French, and they're their own thing and then there's Edmonton and Edmonton has a pretty uh it's 
pretty sparse company, the good reporters in Edmonton. There ain't a lot of them. Ryan Rashog from a couple years ago um, called a backup goalie mentally weak because he would not grant an interview to the guy before a game on a game he was playing. And then I did really stand that goalie, Al Montoya is his name. You can find this clip on YouTube. Because then after the game, he let Ryan Rashog answer his question. And then he just goes, next question, and just moves right on. Oh, I think I've seen that. And I really stand that. I I stand that petty energy and like not letting someone, like a journalist, call someone mentally weak. But on that same lines, we have, I think it's Rob Tykowski who is also kind of known as not the best reporter. And I think, Morgan, you don't even need to know that he's known as that because I'm going to read to you the question that he asked Leon Dreisaitl after uh, they lost their third game in like three days or something or second game in three days, I think. Here's the question. Quote, speaking of not good enough, your top players didn't produce much of anything in this series. Does it add to the frustration that you guys didn't really hold up your end of the bargain? And just what? So first of all, speaking of probably just generally not that great of an idea, unless you're in like an actual conversation and not this post scream scrum where there's like you ask one question and then the next person asks. Also not speaking of not good enough like that's never a great start to a question and then it's not especially to a player speaking of not good enough but he said your top players right he's the second best player on the team i was gonna say that that's very like phrasing you give to a coach not one of the top players on the team no, and I was trying to think, because if they even said it to, like, a bottom player, well, then they're going to, of course, they're going to be like, you're talking about my teammate. Like, yeah. what are you even saying? But then, Leandre Saddle, the German sense of humor, and I'm going to try to do it justice, but you definitely need to see the answer. No, we love that. We love going without a point in three days, for sure. It's great. Like, what do you expect him to say? And I think I, that's his answer. What exactly do you think he's supposed to say to that? I love that it's such a, like, sarcastic, smart-ass answer because it's very much deserved be- with that question. And the great thing is, with the context of the question, you don't need me to read it or anything. You can read the words on the paper and you know the tone exactly I for sure read it in my head exactly how I know he said it even though I didn't hear it and it's just and honestly there should be accountability for that like everyone like because then I think I've thought of this uh statement a little bit for other reasons which I'm sure we'll talk about in the preview for our quick hitter but it seems like sometimes there's this tendency in reporting when a reporter who did a shitty job gets called out for doing a shitty job to do that quote from uh the devil wears quota gird your loins like they all like get together and it's like no you're insulting the whole profession can't happen and it's like actually we're just kind of going after the people who did shitty yeah. things and yeah. that's kind of okay yeah because like I mean you're definitely you can definitely ask the questions that you already know the answer to like of course he's probably frustrated but there's a way to ask it 
I'm gonna, in a way that's worth asking. I'm going to look this up because Reddit, keep in mind, this is a person who is clearly not paid to be a reporter on Reddit, came up with like a, a like rewrote and asked basically the same question. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I will find it, but then... I mean, the question did give a great sound bite. So in that instance, it was a good question. But the phrasing of it was and awful. Then, and the good sound bite is him dunking on you. So I'm, right, as a reporter, exactly. I'm not thinking that's your goal. It's a good sound bite for like ESPN. So keeping in mind the question, as I said, like you're shut out, you're top players, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, I'll just read reread the thing and then I'll read what the reddit person said speaking of not good enough your top players didn't produce much of anything in this series does it add to the frustration that you guys didn't really hold up your end of the bargain as opposed to with this random reddit person et muse or however you say that came up with being shut out for two games has to be frustrating as a scorer do you think that frustration impacted the way the team the way you and the team played tonight literally the same question a million times less condescending. This Reddit user needs to take over that reporters because like, how I would believe it... that the Reddit user went to journalism school and the reporter did not. And Leon, if he gets that question, will give, it might be a little bit of a canned answer, but he's not going to be like, yeah, for sure. Right. Love like, it's not going to be super sarcastic. And if he did, everyone's going to be like, what an asshole. Right. Yeah, he's going to give you a legitimate answer, even though it's a little like calling him out, like you didn't score yeah. in two games, but it's in a way that's clearly professional. Right. And I think with like the Reddit user question, it's definitely more professional and you're definitely more, more likely to get a cliche answer about it. But again, it's more professional. And even if you do get just a cliche answer, it's still building rapport from a reporter athlete perspective like it may not get you very much for your story but at least you asked it better and he's probably more likely to answer your questions later on well and then if you want to write some kind of story about the overall struggles you have a quote that can go in the story no we love that we love going without a point in three days for sure it's great it's not a quote that you can put in any story about the struggle now you've wasted possibly your one or one of maybe what two questions you get to ask yeah way to go (laughs) and you can't even use the answer and also a locker room exists like if you think you're going to get anything even remotely good from any of his teammates after this good luck with that yeah because then they this is hockey like I was hearing other people talk about this in soccer that's the kind of question that gets your credentials pulled yeah and I wouldn't feel sorry for him not at all completely unprofessional like sometimes people get credentials pulled and I'm like okay this is just you being a little sensitive this is unprofessional and it's like we have plenty of people who want credentials who actually are professional we're not going to give it to you and essentially the reporter turned himself into the story yeah which is never the goal I'm sure his editor if he has a good editor chewed him out I I would like Edmonton to hope so. Media, at Edmonton Media, it's not a slam dunk. Yeah, I was going to say, I would like 
hope so. But considering the reporter felt it was okay to even ask the question the way he did, I'm sure his editor was fine with it. Yeah, how many like legit reporters has speaking of not good enough ever (laughs) even come out of their mouth? Besides reporting on this dumb thing. At first, um, do you remember right after in the bubble when they had their uh, like the player like press conference thing about Black Lives Matter? And I don't remember for what team it was, but one of the reporters asked them like, was basically like, yeah, that's important, but how do you basically forget that so you can focus on hockey? Oh, I, was, I remember that. It was the Flyers report. It was, the, okay. I was thinking, all I could see was orange in my head. And I was like, it would be great if it was Edmonton because that would just be strike two, at least in the last year. It was a Flyers reporter. And also I might add one who is kind of known for not exactly. I, I As soon as I heard that question, I knew it couldn't have possibly been the first stupid thing he said. So. With that, <laughs> uh, the, what is it? Mass Mutual East Division. So we have to start out with everyone's favorite trash can, Tom Wilson, <laughs> getting suspended. That's how I always call him. Because if you ever look at back in the playoffs and stuff, when he was terrorizing Zach Aston Reese and just otherwise being a dirty player, Penguins fans would um, create gifs and stuff where they just put a trash can over his body and say so he'd fit well with uh houston then yes he should play for houston that is very true (laughs) um but he hit brandon carlo of the boston bruins who had to go to the hospital and is now out week to week and um for that hit is suspended seven games and this is where i just have a a general disagreement with a journalist. <laughs> it's not actually me accusing them of unprofessional, but Frank Saravalli, who's a pretty well-known national hockey journalist in Canada, said that he didn't think it was suspension worthy because the head wasn't the place that was hit first. I'm going to read the exact tweet. I'll find, go back and find it, but it's very doesn't align with my understanding of the rule and um, how I just think it's supposed to be implemented. Um, So here's what it says. This will be an unpopular tweet and that's fine because I don't conclude based on reputation or narrative. My opinion, Tom Wilson's hit on Carlo is not illegal. Carlo's head is not the main point of contact. Break it down. Sure looks like he gets chest, torso first. And that, right there, he broke his own argument because the rule is primary point of contact. And the NHL has been very, very clear in both directions that that does not mean first. You can hit the head, shoulder area first and not have it be the primary point of contact. Conversely, you can hit it not first and have it be the primary point of contact. If you look at that hit and don't think that the head was the primary point of contact, then I just don't agree with your assessment. But he's not arguing that. He's arguing that it isn't the first, which isn't even the rule. And so that was what was a little frustrating to me. And his his point was basically like, then 
okay, it's a different argument you're trying to have, which is should it be legal, but you can't suspend based on should it be legal, which again, I take this point that there are a lot of legal hits that maybe shouldn't be legal, and that's certainly a conversation to be had, but this is an illegal hit. And then the other thing people don't understand about suspensions is there, it's like a two-pronged thing. Mm-hmm. There is, and it, it's kind of the same way in like a court of law. There's, are you not guilty or guilty? Or is it a suspension or not a suspension in hockey? And that is just like, there is one or the other. And then after that is like the sentencing phase and they're in criteria. And part of the criteria is his past, like performance, past issues and injury, like it or not, like he's talking about not liking that, like people not liking that hits aren't illegal, that maybe should be like it or not injury on the play is a part of it's really stupid technicality. It's not supposed to determine if something is suspendable, like I was saying. But once it is a suspendable, it is supposed to influence the amount of games in the suspension. So awesome. that that factors in too. So once you once you decide yes, it's suspendable, seven games is well within the impact of the hit, the injury, and Tom Wilson's history. Yeah. And people like, if it was someone else, it wouldn't be seven games if it was someone else. I fully think it would have been a suspension if it was someone else. It wouldn't have been seven games. But that's what you get when you have a bunch of suspensions in your past. I also, he had like a thread of tweets. I think it was six. But uh, Greg Wyshynski, is that how you say his name? Yes. I go back and forth on his coverage because there are some where I fully agree and then there are others where I'm like no and this is one of them and again I am just pulling one tweet out of a thread of six but you'll know which part I have an issue with so I believe this was tweeted before his suspension was handed out He said, keep in mind that Wilson's suspension history only comes into play during the punitive phase. So yeah, before Um, they don't automatically suspend him because he's Tom Wilson. That's hashtag hockey Twitter's gig, along with the media that's triggered every time he throws a check. It's that last sentence that really kind of gets me. Also, I think part of it is the hashtag hockey Twitter as if like, all of us I I don't like him saying like we're all triggered every time he throws a check because it feels very like y'all are all snowflakes kind of mentality in it yeah and triggered is one of those loaded words yes that I think you have to be very careful how it felt it it feels pointed with how he used it but also I don't like when someone in the media calls out the media yeah along with the media that's triggered every time he throws a check dude you work with ESPN you are also the media and yeah I take your point it's not like like people talk calling out Rob Pekowski aren't calling out the media they're calling out a specific media member right 
but if you like the me is beating up on Leon Drysaddle, it's like, well, you can change that. Cause <laughs> it, I think that part really like irked me because it made me think of how like Fox quote unquote news likes to say the media. And I'm like, y'all realize you are also the media. It just drives me nuts. It's, I don't know if it's just like a personal, like uh, pet peeve kind of a thing, but I just felt like that whole, his whole thread just based off that one tweet just really just like I was like well I don't really care about your opinion after that um yeah and Greg is like that like he has some things where you're kind of tracking with what he's saying and he kind of says things in a way that people wouldn't always say and kind of needs to be said Mm -hmm. and then there's that and you're like then there's that yeah any more of an insufferable jerk like (laughs) yes he, he has the like trying to find a way to he has the dick vibe sometimes like <laughs> yeah like exactly. it yeah. comes off like an entitled dick like yeah sometimes on his twitter that's just he comes off that way because I know there's other times we've talked about some of his tweets where we fully agreed with it but then there yeah like that's I a good way to describe it I think if you remove the like dickish element of his twitter <laughs> it's kind of like Pete Blackburn like I think Pete Blackburn does that well where he has like really funny interesting Mm -hmm. and like blunt takes but he also doesn't say things where I'm like dude you think way too much of yourself or you're dark to everyone I think Sean Shapiro is the same way and yeah he can be sarcastic at times but it's never it never feels like it's pointed at like the fans or other unless it's warranted he has called out other journalists but and like Dmitry Filipovich, I think is like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And but it, it is like there's an element of fun or necessary yeah. or something. Like some of the stuff Oshinsky does is just not necessary. Um, so with that, the next thing I wanted to talk about is the Islanders. Don't look now, but they're in first place, which I think everyone thought was kind of gonna be the Bruins, maybe the yeah. Cap. The Islanders are surging, and y'all should definitely go and look at their game last weekend. Matt Barzell had this amazing, like, between the legs kind of move thing. He's so talented. And I think a lot of people underestimated, one, the difference Barry Trotz could make in the Islanders. Yeah. Because John Tavares left at the same time Barry Trotz joined the coaching staff. And there's a little bit of offsetting there because – Prior to Barry Trotz, they had about the worst defense in the NHL. And then they lost John Tavares, who's a very good defensive center, and didn't really add a bunch to their defense. But they added Barry Trotz, and all of a sudden, (laughs) they're like, they don't let anything, any good shots happen. But then also, Matt Barzell developing into who he is, it's given them the, like, star offensive potential, because otherwise there's literally no, like – offense it's just like they want to win every game zero to negative one (laughs) (laughs) that's the stars (laughs) they but they have a little bit now with him and so it's definitely when he's on the ice it's really fun to watch and I loved um when now Penguins assistant coach but previous Capitals head coach Todd Reardon was coaching the all-star game a couple years ago um and Barzell was there and it's a three-on-three 
And the Penguins had two representatives, Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang. So, of course, he was like, I'm going to play them together because defensemen forward, like, they know each other. They play together all the time. And then he threw Matt Barzal with them, and it was so cool. <laughs> like, even with three-on-three and limited defense, the things they were doing, it was so fun. So, that was that was one of those moments where I was like, this All-Star game is actually kind of fun. <laughs> um so with that, that's a good transition to the Penguins update. Um, they've been a little, little all over the place, but I was super stoked because the Rangers game, the last game that they played, they, it, they still had to come back to win because they gave up the first goal, of course, but they won by more than a goal. And they had like <laughs> three goals in a minute and one second, which is actually amazing. And at a certain point, like in the beginning, I'm like, eh, is this the same team that I've been used to? But they started to really get rolling and, and looking really good. Um, I The thing I, I like about the Penguins now is in the beginning of the season, even the games that they pulled out, it's like all of these games, they have to take it to overtime and it doesn't feel like they really deserve to win. They just happen to win. <laughs> and that none of that's a really great feeling. And because it just feels like you're asking to to disappoint eventually. Because yeah. it's all going to come crashing down. And this is like games they lose, games they win. They still look like a coherent hockey team. Like, they make sense. It's not like they look completely lost out there. Yeah. So that is comforting. And it's been nice to see. Um, I, I'm still so surprised by Cody Cece. Like, he is... He's definitely not a top-pairing defenseman is what Toronto was playing him as which is part of the problem because when you're a top pairing defenseman you're supposed to add something offensively and like granted Brian Dumoulin's one of our top a great top pairing defenseman for us and he never scores goals but he like makes the play flow and stuff offensively he's a good mm-hmm. passer he can shoot for like tips and rebounds and stuff like that really well Cody CC. You think he he was like shooting as a pass off the wall or something, but for all you know, he was legitimately shooting off the net at the net and missed that badly. He's just not like shooting isn't his thing. So he's not really great offensively, which you kind of need to be a good top pairing defenseman, but he's not just like a passable bottom pairing defenseman. He's good. Like he is way better than anything, not only just Jack Johnson, but anything we've been used to in a while. And so that is nice to see. Mike Matheson even has really settled in. His contract's still a little expensive and a little long, but he, on the other hand, has a below average defensive abilities, but is really, really good at like making things happen in the offensive zone and pulling these moves out and keeping plays alive. And so I'm shockingly okay with our defense. So, which is a rarity for me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm starting to just feel better. Not like I feel like we're going to win the cup or I'm like, this team is surging, but it just, I'm more content, yeah. which is, 
they set the bar that low, but I'm like, I'm content. <laughs> Things are going well. <laughs> I'm not angry. Um, so finally, the Discover Central Division. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is Brent Seabook retired. Um, people kind of saw this coming because he'd been having some serious injuries. I do want to point out just a narrative because it is kind of important. Brent Seabrook had this long contract that pretty much the first year he was on it, he, he got the contract for all that he did. And he was a very big part of their cup teams. And, but it was way overpriced for his age and way too long of a term. And so for a while, it was kind of thought as one of the worst contracts in the NHL. And then I think it was last year, like halfway through the year, they're like, yep, he's hurt, can't play. And it was kind of a little like, is he really? And he kind of gave some conflicting things because he had been healthy scratched in recent years. And there was all these different things. And then it's like, no, he's retired. He's injured, can't overcome it. And I'm not saying that he wasn't injured and that also maybe he couldn't overcome it and didn't want to risk the long-term factors I would never speculate about that but there is this little thing in the NHL called Roby Island and I'm thinking Brent Seabrook might have gone on that because they couldn't trade his contract they can't buy him out it's too expensive so and but what I mean by they can't trade his contract full, first he has a full no trade so he could pick where he wants to go. And second, no one is taking that cap hit for that length. Just not going to happen. So there just really wasn't an option besides, hey, we're the Blackhawks, so we have a ton of money. So if you're injured, insurance and us will we'll pay you the full amount, but then it doesn't go against our cap hit. And so I think that might be a little factor of what's going on. But that said, it really is sad. And not a Chicago fan. Like, most people should know that about me. I haven't really kept it a secret. But one of the cooler things I thought, one of the early cups, Jonathan Taze, the captain, had taken, like, and he was young at the time, had taken his second consecutive penalty or something like that and was clearly just angry. And was like frustrated and upset and all that. And the camera catches Brent Seabrook in a TV timeout going over to the penalty box. And you just see him put his hand like almost on Tay's head and like talking him up. And like really like we got this. It's okay. Like don't get angry. Like just kind of some pump up speech. And then the Blackhawks came back and tied it. And I think Taze made it maybe had a game winning goal or had like a huge part in that. And he fully credited Seabrook. And actually when Seabrook hit a thousand games, talked about that specific in incident and what it did for him as a leader and in that game and in that series and everything. And so Brent Seabrook, by all accounts, pretty cool person recently opened his house up with his kids and everything to a rookie to live in. So good leader really well loved in Chicago so sad day for them and next Keith Yandel uh hit a thousand games the guy who was almost healthy scratch but is still the longest active Ironman streak and closing in on uh overtaking first place eventually but I thought it was kind of cool like remember Sidney Crosby and they all did the shoe tie thing for a thousand games yeah. so apparently Keith Yandel this is fairly unique like right before he goes out to warm up he spray paints the bottom of his stick like where the tape is 
which is kind of an interesting thing. I've never really heard of that done. So all of his teammates did that. And I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah. Um, it was an away game. So, of course, the next Florida home game, he'll get honored and his team gift and everything like that. But pretty cool accomplishment. I think when you think about it, I have to look it up. Uh-uh. I'm going to look up his age. Um, because, so we think about it. Um, well, that's not what I wanted to look up. Um, yeah, so he was in the 2005 draft. So he was drafted uh, in Sidney Cosby's draft. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Two, two pretty solid uh, players to hit a thousand games this year. And I and believe fairly that, close together. Yeah, pretty close. I mean, I think there might have been another one. But that draft class is really something. There's a lot of, well, Chris, or I should say Alex Latang's dad, uh, also is from that draft class. Oh, wow. Penguins round three pick. Uh, so quite something that we had two of like our key components in that same draft. But Keith Yandel is pretty good defenseman still really good despite the fact that somebody wanted to healthy scratch him also fun fact Ben Bishop from the 2005 draft from everyone's favorite St. Louis Blues 2005 draft that's insane I was in elementary school still yeah I'm trying to remember where I was definitely in elementary school it's probably in like no yeah I was in sixth grade so it was right at the end of my, el- that was still elementary school for me. So right at the end, I had to do the math on that. You know, <laughs> it's, it's weird, the math that I always do. Um, I was in third grade uh, when September 11th happened. So that was the 2001-2002 school year. So yeah. I always just go from there. <laughs> yeah. I always remember what grade I'm in because whatever grade I started, like I started the year the same grade like 2001 I started first grade 2002 I started second grade. oh see you got it good yeah <laughs> I'm a little off like that but I just September 11th is such a defining moment yeah like I can remember everything in regards to that and third grade right. is kind of in between stuff because mm-hmm. then anything super like later I remember, obviously my, I graduated in the class of 2011 so I can back off of that for like the high school years yeah and this is yet another tangent. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think we've had one in every division, so it's fine. That's fine. Uh, and we end, as always, with Morgan Starr's update. Um, better than last week. I this next, the rest of their schedule really is gonna kill them and me. Because they literally play every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday for the next month. And I think even more back-to-back games in April. And I just hope, you know, they stay alive for that. (laughs) Because they're a mess. I don't even I was looking, because I can barely remember the games they played this week. I have no idea what happened in the Tampa Bay game they played this week on Tuesday. They lost, but I have no memory of it, probably for the best. Um, But on Thursday, 
I do remember they were down three nothing and that's when I was like I literally texted Laura I was like I don't even want to talk about the stars this week and then changed the channel and immediately they scored two goals which ended their longest drought longest goalless drought I think in their team history I think um and then and then they played Columbus Saturday and won five nothing which was bonkers and I thought they were trying to make me the jinx because when they lost three two on that Thursday they scored those two goals when I changed the channel they scored their first two goals on Saturday in the first three and a half minutes of the game in which I had no Wi-Fi to watch and I was going to be mad if they were going to start scoring when I don't watch and then make me the jinx. But luckily, they scored three more goals when I could watch. So therefore, I was not the jinx. Um, they also looked a lot better on Sunday. They lost in a shootout, which is not surprising because they cannot win a shootout. Um, however, since they were down 3 nothing and came back to go to a shootout was impressive. Um, the interesting thing, so I expected Hudobin to be the goalie on Sunday because Ottinger was the goalie on Saturday in the 5-0 win. It was his first career shutout. He's a rookie. Bonus ended up playing him on Sunday too, which shocked the heck out of me because like we've talked about, Bonus does favorite veterans and also I was kind of like okay well he had a shutout but why are you playing him back-to-back nights when we have such a not we I don't play but they have such a difficult schedule for the rest of the season it just seemed odd it kind of felt like oh this is going to be the game that breaks him just because as we've also talked about before they tend to play better in front of Ottinger and they kind of just hang Doby out to dry it seems like for the most part in his games and that's kind of where it felt like it was going on Sunday's game however I did see somewhere where bonus said that was the plan all along was to have Ottinger back-to-back nights which I'm a little confused by and I'm curious to see if that means that Dobie would be doing back-to-back next weekend if that's just going to be how he does Saturday Sunday games now um, because I'm assuming Dobie would do Tuesday's game, then that would have Ottinger Thursday, then Dobie Saturday, and I would guess Dobie Sunday again, but I don't know if that is how he wants to structure it or if it's still kind of based on Saturday's game, how well that game goes. I don't really know. It Honestly, I should not be surprised by anything he does because he's predictable in the dumb aspects of the – things that don't seem very logical to me but that was probably one of his most unpredictable moves uh I should also note in the shootout I did fairly actually did pretty good on guessing who the shooters were going to be he went with Robertson Haskinen and Pavelski I want to say I'm surprised with Robertson however the last shootout he also picked Robertson because he had goals and each of those games that went into a shootout, which has always been his mentality. However, as we've discussed, it makes no sense that like 
Haskinen, Hintz, or Giryanov usually are not in the shootout. Um, however, I was surprised Haskinen was in the shootout and the second shooter. I was Pavelski's always a given. I don't really understand why now he's all of a sudden the third shooter. I don't know if there's a strategy to who's first, second, third in shootouts. I'm I really wish it would have gone to four shooters because I would have loved to know who it would have been because Hints didn't play in the game. Um, so I would like to thank Garyanov, but he's been in like a goalless drought. Although goals in the game and shootout goals. Shootout is not hockey. But oh. they count in Rick Bonus logic. <laughs> that is they are a- connected. <laughs> Rick bonus logic where it's like nothing makes sense and nothing makes sense but yet in the fact that it doesn't make sense you can predict what's going to happen it's even more illogical (laughs) but I guess also I should say really quick about Sunday's game I was what made it impressive even though they went down thing to tie it to go to a shootout even though they still lost they did it without having Doby in the net they had the rookie Klingberg was not playing because his fiance had a baby early that morning uh Robe Hintz was not playing because I'm pretty sure he's still injured and they're just kind of like well he can't really get more injured by playing so let's just play him and then Saturday he freaking ran into the boards and I thought it was broken in half um and somehow he managed to play the rest of the game uh they're they did it without Radulov, which I cannot wait for Radulov to come back just because I, they play better with him just because of his wild energy. Um, I'm also, part of me is very curious for him to come back and see what happens to ice times because Hintz and Giryanov have been pretty consistent with getting 15 or more minutes in the last few games. But once Radulov comes back, that's going to go away for sure. And then Sagan comes back eventually and you're going to be lucky to get 10 minutes. I'm sure. That's Waiting for the time when it's like. I really am. Every time I look and see he has over 15 minutes, I'm like in shock. <laughs> but see, low expectations. Yeah. Um, so, Pat, do you want to do rant and rave? Yes. So, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, my rant is basically still about Texas quote unquote leadership and the fact that literally it feels like if that didn't even happen this week, I feel like this happened two weeks ago, but time is last week was the longest week. Um, but we no longer, well, starting this week, we no longer have the mask mandate and places can open up to hundred percent capacity because what's a pandemic especially when only six percent of your state is vaccinated let's just open everything up and your state has had the most new cases per day the last week it is interesting I will say when you see the like percentage of vaccinated and just gonna say because there's a little bit of a mix in like the top Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and it's a little all over the place and then you look at the bottom yeah like hmm Mm-hmm. okay uh-huh. okay <laughs> I'll yeah. just say that and then like the next day 
he said like people should still wear masks I'm like that would be a little easier to do if you kept the mandate because there are some people who only because it's a mandate it's kind of hard for like stores to say hey put your mask on when someone's be like well the government can't tell me what to do now so I mean I'm fully vaccinated but I start thinking about all the other people who aren't yet and I'm just frustrated <laughs> like I feel like that's been my rant for the last what this is episode 37 the last 37 six episodes my rants is just that I'm frustrated but that's been the whole last year and I can't help it it's just frustrating that's my rant <laughs> so I don't know if this is a rant but more of just something that saddens me or something when I see it online someone who I used to really love I haven't watched it in a while but I used to really love Dancing with the Stars and mm-hmm. I found this great blog that actually had like a source and stuff and then kind of got to know one of the people who ran it because I would help her with some fashion stuff from time to time she was just a really cool person kind of a take no shit person I really appreciate that <laughs> and she had this meme that she would share a lot and I always feel like social media and Twitter specifically really needs it and especially with some of the stuff that's going, been going on in Aurora watching lives I feel like it still really needs it and it's this it's a quote you don't have to show up to every argument you're invited to and I think it's something that I see a lot where I see good people get dragged into things because people tweet at them and believe me i guilty like not preaching from on high here oh, I was gonna say that's a great reminder <laughs> but it's just so important because I think people tweet at you and then you automatically feel like it's this yeah. accusation that you have to defend yourself against and it's so important it's like something for me that was so important in the wake of all this royal stuff was like stopping and saying okay do I really need to respond to this yeah. or can I just block or can I just mute or can I just completely ignore and leave it up there but just not say anything And I think it's so important because not everything everyone says, like, go and look at their followers. Go and look at who they are. There's this um, hockey Twitter person who has the, like, definitive list of of sports bros on Twitter. And it's, like, uh, Bobby Lots of Numbers and, like, uh, Freddie Fishman or, like, Jimmy with his sunglasses. Like, it's all of the, like stereotypes of people and not even just that but like how much they tweet do they only just tweet the same thing to everyone including you what are they tweeting about what kind of person are they and like kind of take that time just to step back and think and I'm not saying you shouldn't it's definitely up to you but I think just mental health is a thing and yeah you don't have to engage with someone just because they engaged with you and I think that's been a really freeing thing for me on social media. And I think I just wanted to encourage that. So just a little, I don't know if it's a rant, but it's just something I It's see a in- reminder. Yeah. And it just bums me out sometimes because I'm well, not angry when I see people do that, but I'm just yeah. sad for them. And yeah. so that's just, please don't let it destroy your mental health. Like the block button exists and the block button is not a court of law like the block button and the mute button yes and like I said there's no legal standard 
I, I became very free from that. Yeah. Granted, some people who state their block policies, that I think is a little pretentious. But like, like I, uh, there's in the royal stuff, there's anyone who calls Catherine Kate gets blocked. Okay. That's a little pretentious and I'm going to judge you for that. And I'm sorry. But my standard is if I don't think you add to my timeline or my mental health or anything, I'm blocking you. I'm muting you. And that's that. And anyone who has a thing like that, you do you. Like I support that. I would also say that like, Sometimes muting is better than blocking just because I I always think of muting as like a two-way mirror because (laughs) they can see you and they probably assume that you can see them. But like, especially if someone's just like keeps arguing just for arguing's sake, I like, (laughs) it gives me like a petty satisfaction (laughs) just because I'm like, they could still be arguing with me and I don't ever see it. I will say Twitter has gotten better at because there will be these times and it's not because I muted them or blocked them because a lot of times they people I don't even know who engage with my royal stuff and I won't get a notification and the only Mm -hmm. time I'll be like the number is bigger than the the amount of like replies I've actually read and then I have to like dig 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 to find the reply and because Twitter's like we are saving you from this now sometimes like today there was one that was like oh this is a really pretty dress I'm like Twitter why are we saving me from this there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that yeah then other times it's like oh Twitter you were doing me a solid yeah so you you kind of have time to prepare yourself so I I applaud whatever Twitter magic they do with that but just (laughs) just a reminder I think it's the best way I've ever heard that put is you don't have to attend every party or every argument you're invited to. You also don't have to attend every party you're invited to. <laughs> invitations are an obligations. That's the reminder. Oh, can we name that the episode? There you go. That's the title. <laughs> Occasionally I struggle with titles and I just came up with one off the top of my head. So rave time. Do you want to go? Besides the yes. fact of my amazing title. <laughs> I'm going to write this down. Um. So my rave is hockey related, specifically the Carolina Hurricanes. So they have uh, fans at their games now. I think theirs is like 15% capacity. It's a very small number of what I saw. And I think they played today, but as of Sunday, they had played just two home games and they won both of them. And so they brought back their storm surge and one thing that I, I'm assuming they're going to be doing this for all future storm surges of this season. But in those two storm surges, they did, you know, the normal circle, slow clap building kind of thing. But instead of doing like some fun thing or like running at the boards or whatever, they highlight a frontline worker with like a picture of them on the, uh, I almost called it a teleprompter. Um, like the jumbotron screens and on the ice and like their name and like very specific um, because I know one of the first ones was like someone with um, like lung therapy like that it's not an official title but it was something like that and I thought that was really cool way to do their storm surge while also still you know highlighting the very important work that's going on in this very long pandemic. Yeah, I the hurricanes, I mean. 
Yeah, they're, they're, awesome. uh, they're like in the rave hall of fame. Always. And I, I'm really curious if I don't know, cause I, I tried to look up really quickly, see how they were doing this. So I don't know if maybe like fans could submit frontline workers they know or if it's just people in the area that they've heard of and um, I think they might also partner with their like affiliated hospitals and yeah. stuff to like say okay can you give me some like deserving people to me yeah and I just think that's a really cool way to bring back the storm surge that we all love for its pettiness but make it even more like I don't know sappy almost but like make it fit the world that we're all living in right now yeah um so my rave is completely not sports related but it's something again algorithms like I read a book about (laughs) them and they creep me out now but there's they do do some amazing things so I was on YouTube I was at work and I was like doing something that required concentration but I was just getting sick of like the furnace noise in my house and I was like I just want something some music on to and so I was like classical music for studying or something like that and then what I found is that like classical music because there's this big arrangement can be a little distracting even though there's no words (laughs) and but then in the suggestion on the google side I had like relaxing or like comprehensive like there were 15 different versions of this one youtube channel that's like disney songs on piano and it's only piano and it's but it's not just like them paying the piano version of the song like the piano also subs in where the singing would be so you can kind of you kind of recognize it a little bit so you're just it makes you happy but it also like I got so much work done (laughs) and also it made me realize that there are some songs that I like a lot more when I don't hear the it's like this is really happy and also some songs but I kept the roof I forget the actual like this sounds like and it was some random not Disney song like no it's actually a Disney song but (laughs) so it's really cool they're really talented and so what they do is they usually have between like one hour or two hours of songs and then they repeat it maybe once so most of the videos were between like three and five hours which is great for work yeah because in and there weren't a lot of commercials like some of those YouTube videos are there's like oh, one yeah. at the beginning and then you're done and so it was just exactly what I needed so thank you YouTube algorithm <laughs> and the people who did that all, like recorded all of that piano work because it's legitimately one of the best resources I've ever seen for work I need to do that because I always try to listen to podcasts while doing stuff and, and I get distracted yeah I either get distracted with for the um from the podcast or I realize I've tuned it out and then I've missed everything that they've it's said. Like I gotta go back. Yeah. Um, the, I tweeted one of them, the link to one of the videos, but then it's all from that same account uh, a few days ago. So if you guys want to check it out, it's there. Yes. So with that, we will see you guys sooner than next week because <laughs> I don't know if y'all caught this, but with our royal stuff, there was a little thing that happened on Sunday. A very couple minor royals, thing. A couple of royals might have given an interview that was no on primetime. <laughs> it was all very just whatever. No. And so we're really <laughs> excited. We have something really cool planned for that. We're calling it a quick hitter just because it's not its normal episode, but we will promise from the start it is not a quick hitter. Yeah, I got two pages of notes. Yeah, it ain't going to be quick. 
<laughs> pre-warning it's a not so quick hitter yeah um but we're really excited for that so we hope you tune in for that that'll be later this week and then of course tune in next monday but we, we kind of base this off of when our teams play yeah so monday or tuesday for the next full episode so zach have a good day everyone we will see you soon <laughs>